How many of you know someone who claims to know a lot of people? How many of you know a good old name dropper? Like somebody, oh, I know so-and-so, and I know this guy. Oh, I was with him the other day, and I know this guy, and I know that lady, and I know them over there. How many of you know people like that? If you're that person, don't raise your hand. <laughs> I've known people like that my, my, most of my life, and, and I thought, you know, at first I was kind of naive. I was like, yeah, that's cool. They know a lot of people. Great. And then when I needed something from the people they knew, I said, hey, man, can you call this guy that you know so well and get my ticket fixed? Only for them to start crawfishing, well, you know, I, I, I don't have his number, and, and you know, I don't know if I can just call him like that, you know, and I'm like, hold up. He was acting like you knew him, like you had his social security number or something, and you don't know him. And what I realized is that a lot of people know a lot of people by acquaintance, but they don't really know a lot of people. <laughs> so I left disappointed. <laughs> the title of my message today is the power in knowing, and I want to talk to you about knowing Jesus as compared to knowing about Jesus. Whew, there's a big difference. My God in heaven, there's a big difference in knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus. And I'm believing that today every one of us is going to walk out of here knowing Jesus. Go with me to Acts chapter 9. We're still in Acts. This is week 28 in Acts. We're officially over half a year in one book of the Bible. Come on, somebody. Never in my life thought I would do that. Acts chapter 19, uh, starting in verse 11. We touched on this last Sunday. I would encourage you to go back and listen to last Sunday's message. The message was incredible. The preaching was okay. Verse 11, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual, say unusual, unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. One time they tried it. The evil spirit replied, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? Say, uh-oh. When the man with the evil spirit, then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house, watch this, naked and battered, beat the clothes off of them. Come on, somebody. That's a beat down. When you walk out of a fight and you ain't got no clothes left, that was a fight. <laughs> Interesting story. These were Jewish magi magicians who went around expelling demons, and they used to use these chants or these sayings. They would use songs or phrases to cast out or expel evil spirits. They enjoyed the prestige that came from this because it was like they knew the name that needed to be said for the evil spirit to respond. They took pride in that. And so they had certain 
incantations, which was chants or phrases that they would use. And, and all of a sudden, they see God using Paul. And they go, well, we need to add to our incantation in the name of Jesus. Because what Paul's doing is like different than what we're doing. So it must be the phrase that Paul is using in the name of Jesus. So let's adopt in the name of Jesus for our incantations, and let's cast out some evil spirits, this will give us a little bit of a boost. Boy, were they surprised when it didn't work. So the demon in this, ex this experience or the demon in this story or the evil spirit, whatever makes you comfortable... <laughs> I'm going to say it like I wrote it. The demon in this story exposes a truth for us that we need to get today. Get ready to write this down. There's a massive difference in knowing the name of Jesus and knowing Jesus himself. Amen. Did you hear me? A massive difference. Not a slight difference. A massive difference in knowing the name of Jesus and knowing Jesus himself. You know what makes me sick sometimes about church, folks, is that when you come into and you get born, maybe you get born again or you join the church, and then you start to act like the church, and you start to use religious phrases. Can I just tell you, religious phrases are one of the biggest turnoffs for me. Because too many people hide behind religious phrases. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. How are you doing it? I'm high. Well, <laughs> another side. <laughs> That's next week's message. <laughs> I'm blessed and highly flavored. And you go, okay, that's great. I'm glad you're that today. But what about tomorrow? And so sometimes I see and hear people using these religious phrases. And I go, where's the meat and the potatoes behind that phrase? Like, tell me that when, you're, when your world's falling apart. Tell me that when your tire went flat and you're late for an interview. Tell me that. Because I know in my life, I don't always feel that way. Some days I feel... Broke, busted, and disgusted. <laughs> I'm far from blessed and highly flavored. Come on, somebody. <laughs> you see, the, the problem is, is they knew the source. They knew of the source, but they had no relationship with the source who is Jesus. So listen to what they said. I command you in the name of Jesus. The first half of that phrase sounds good, doesn't it? Let's just be honest. I use that phrase, in the name of Jesus. I command you in the name of Jesus, right? So there's nothing wrong with the phrase they were using. But watch how they expose themselves. Whom Paul preaches about. What did they just tell the, the, the evil spirit? I don't know this Jesus, but I've seen Paul use his name. I know him through Paul. Let that marinate for a minute. I know him through Paul. I know about him through Paul. Don't personally know him. But I'm going to use his name. They wanted power with no relationship. They only knew about him through Paul. Here's my concern. Some folks only know Jesus through their pastor. Some folks only know Jesus through their friends. Some folks only knew Jesus through their favorite YouTube preacher. And it's, it's a travesty. Because I'm going to show you a little bit later on that you've been given a right 
to know Jesus personally, not through somebody else, but directly. Every single person in this room has been given a right, if you're a born-again believer, to know Jesus personally. You don't have to go through somebody else. Heaven forbid us if you only know Jesus through me. You in a bind already. So you can only fake authority, confidence, boldness, and power for so long without real relationship with Jesus. You will be exposed. Well, that's the thing about faking it. You can only fake it for so long. Come on, somebody. That's true in every area of life. I went fishing with a guy one time. He had all the fishing gear on. I mean, honestly, if you'd have took a picture with him and you'd have posted it on social media, everybody would have thought, that's the professional fisherman that Pastor Jamie's fishing with. I look like I come straight off the farm. Some old broke down shorts, a shirt that I knew was going to get nasty with some fish, and I'll fish the brother. Just because he looked like it don't mean he was it. So he could fake it till we got in the water. And we cast the line. And I brought the fish in, and he didn't. You could only fake it for so long. Verse 15. But one time, when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? We got to unpack this, so get ready. I'm, I'm going to get a little technical on you. I'm going to bring you to the Greek because it's so good. It's so good. When the evil spirit says, I know Jesus, that word know is the Greek word gnosko. It means that I'm aware of, I perceive, I feel, I resolved with, I can speak, and it means I'm sure of. It even uses a phrase or word that I've never used before. It's, it's, it's the word definiteness. Definiteness. If you type it in your phone, it, Google will correct you. <laughs> definiteness. The demon was saying, I know Jesus. I'm sure about Jesus. I know who Jesus is. I can even talk to Jesus. I am definite about who Jesus is. I am completely sure who Jesus is. I have no questions about Jesus. He said, I know Jesus, and that's how he knew Jesus. He knew Jesus' authority. He knew it was absolute authority. He knew that nobody else possessed authority over him like Jesus did, unless they were given authority over him. What he was saying is that I completely understand and know who Jesus is. And it was almost like, oh, I know Jesus. <laughs> he bowed. He, he didn't say this, but you would have to think. He said, I would bow if Jesus said to bow. I got to leave if Jesus says to leave. I got to jump if Jesus says to jump. I know Jesus so well. If he tells me to get on my knees and bow down before him, I'm down. Gnosko. Then he says, I know Paul. Uses the same word in English, know, but it means something different in the Greek. The word know for Jesus was gnosko. The word know for Paul is epistemi. Now pay attention. Epistemi, the Greek word for know, 
means to put the mind on, to comprehend, to be acquainted with, to know of, to understand. Two different no's in the Greek. He absolutely, definitely knew who Jesus was, completely understood who Jesus was, but he's saying, I know Paul. I got my mind on Paul. I'm aware of Paul. I understand Paul's position. I know what's going on with Paul. I'm acquainted with Paul. We've had some run-ins, but I don't know Paul like I know Jesus. Then in the definition, in the Greek, for the word epistemi, there's a related word called ephistemi. All they did was add an H to it. And it means this, which I thought was really cool. It means to be set over. So watch this. I know Jesus as the ultimate authority. I'm aware of Paul who has been set over me. Uh, <laughs> I got my mind on Paul. He's been set over me. Not under me. Over me. I feel like we're getting somewhere. You see, Paul was given authority but he was not himself the authority. Jesus is the authority, period. I'm not the authority. I'm given authority Amen. to use because of relationship, not because of acquaintance. Amen. Big difference. I've been set over evil spirits, I have more authority than they do, but it's not mine. Ah, come on. It's not mine, but it's been given to me. Mm -mm -mm. So you see, the, the demon knew the difference between Jesus and Paul because he knew who possessed or who was the source of the authority. It may be difficult to write this down, but I want you to write it down anyway. I pray that the demons don't know Jesus better than we do. I pray that the demons don't know Jesus Gnosko more than we do epistemi. I think we're getting a little deep. Might getting close, might be getting close to the root. You ever pluck a weed out your flower bed and it came back? And you got mad? And you went back at the root? And you pulled the root out and you dared it to come back? I think we're getting to the root. I pray that the demons don't know Jesus better than we do. This is gonna hit some of you in the nose, and it should.
Where are you at today? I want you to get real honest with yourself right now. Where are you at? I'm not asking you to think about somebody else. If you're thinking about somebody else, you're already jacked up. Where are you at today? How well do you know Jesus today? Have you stopped pursuing Jesus? Have you stopped discovering anything new about Jesus? When was the last time he surprised you? When was the last time he amazed you? When was the last time you had an experience with Jesus and you were left wondering? Oh, God, what was that? You don't have to stay in epistemi. You've been invited into Gnosko. But if you want to, you can stay in epistemi. And you can struggle this whole time that you're on the planet in epistemi. But you don't have to. Look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to. You don't have to. I'm coming against the lie of the enemy right now. You don't have to. You don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay on the outside. You don't have to stay wondering who Jesus is. You don't have to stay separated. You don't have to stay in this complacent state that you're in. You don't have to stay. You don't have to stay under the attacks that you've been taking. You don't have to stay under the hurt and the pain that you've been taking. In fact, your gnosko is in your pain. Your gnosko is in your hurt. It's in your struggle. How do I know Jesus? Through the junk that I've gone through. Because I didn't get mad and quit. I got mad and pressed in. I was like, devil, I refuse to let you do this to me. I refuse to let you destroy my life. I'm not giving you another minute. I'm pressing in because Jesus is my source and you're not. And this is not. And the world is not. Jesus is my source. I'm going to where my source comes from. I don't want to live in epistemi. I want to walk in Gnosko. You see, in Gnosko is where confidence comes. In Gnosko is where boldness comes. In Gnosko is where you become an overcomer. I can tell you you're an overcomer until you're blue in the face from listening to me. You won't know it until you actually overcome something. (laughs) So the demon beat the fool out of the magicians and left them naked and afraid. That's where they got the TV show from. I'm telling you. And for some of you that are naive, don't go look that up. Just saying, don't, don't go to Netflix and type that in. Verse 17. Watch the results. So the seven sons of Sceva stand up against this evil spirit in the name of an acquaintance. And they get beat down. I don't think it takes long for everyone to find out when somebody naked runs through town. 
And I really don't think it takes long when seven people run through town naked at one time. The word spreads quickly. Are you with me? The word spread quickly. Watch this, verse 17. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. In other words, the word wasn't even prejudice. (laughs) A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. Why? Because the enemy was exposed. Religion was exposed. Religion pretends like it knows who Jesus is, but it don't really know who Jesus is. Religion says the right words. Religion dresses the right way. Religion responds the right way as long as it's in public. Everything was exposed. This is one of those in-your-face victories for the kingdom. When God wants to embarrass the enemy, he really knows how to embarrass the enemy. These folks started confessing their sins. The value of their things that they were playing with didn't mean anything anymore. Imagine that. They all met up at Circle Park, brought all their books, all their resources for all these incantations. Think about it this way. They met up at Circle Park, and they brought everything that they made a substitute for Jesus because Jesus didn't work like they wanted him to, so they grabbed a substitute, whether it was whatever you want to name it, and they brought it to Circle Park, and they laid it there in front of everybody else, and they said, burn that. That don't work. That let me down. That left me hanging. This is what I call a revival. You can't schedule or promote a revival. Revival is when God shows up because he's tired of being misrepresented. And he walks into a moment. And he shows off. That's revivals, my friend. That's revival. God showed up and the city was revived. Let me ask you a question before we move on. Do you even want this kind of relationship with Jesus? I think, I think this, is a, this is a serious question, though. Because many of us want Jesus the Savior, but not many of us want Jesus the Lord. The Bible says God made Jesus both Lord and Christ. Some of us are just satisfied with him saving us. But I don't want to come underneath his lordship. I'll take some salvation. You can hold the lordship.
So do you really want this kind of a relationship? Let me let you in. Before you make that decision, let me let you in on a little secret. The enemy is going to come at you no matter what. Because as soon as you were born again, you got yourself a bullseye on your back. He's coming at you no matter what. When you decide to have a relationship like this with Jesus where you come underneath his lordship, he's going to amp it up a little bit. I don't want the church to be naive. He's going to come at you like you've never known before. But you're an overcomer. You've been set over him. I wonder how many people actually back up because of attacks and because of pressure and because of disappointments and because of letdowns and simply because you're scared. scared. I just don't want to deal with all that. I just want salvation. I'll live beat up. I'll live oppressed. I'll live depressed. I'll live under this thing until Jesus comes back and then I'll take salvation and enjoy heaven. There's too many oppressed Christians today. A demon can't possess you, but he can oppress you. What does oppression mean? It means he torments you. Anybody got a little torment in your life? A little, a little, uh, every time you seem to take two steps forward or one step forward, you kind of get a little poke and you got something kind of nagging at you. And it's like, it's like the collar in your shirt. You, you, you pop the tag, but you left the little plastic thing and then it irritates you all day. You know what I'm saying? It's like sometimes I get a hair on my lip that sticks up and it tickles my nose. One day I thought I had a sinus infection. It was just a hair. It's like, I, I thought I was struggling in life, but it was just an oppression. It was just something that the enemy was pushing against me. That's what oppression is. You're not going to get horns growing out of your head, but you're going to live in this struggle, and you're going to live under the depression and the oppression of it. It's going to weigh down on you heavy. You don't have to stay there. Come out. So do you want this kind of a relationship? I know I, I, I can kind of talk about spiritual warfare like and get kind of amped up, okay? I just need to clarify something with you real quick. You don't have to fight like I fight. I'm fighting to knock somebody's teeth out. I'm fighting to win, and it's ugly, okay? I get, I get like, poof. Feel the pressure in my head come up. For some of you, you can fight very calmly. Nope. Not today. So I don't want you to think or misunderstand that spiritual warfare only looks like what Pastor Jamie does. Come on. Like, do I have to like stand up and go, oh? Like, I can't even do that. Like, you're in the mirror going, oh, that's methodology. You're trying to today my don't take my method. I fight different than you do. Just make sure you got the right authority. It's not how loud your voice is. It's not how red your face gets. Just make sure you have the authority. Some of those most powerful men I know talk like this. They realize somebody's been oppressed or possessed or they run into an evil spirit. They say, you got to go. 
leave. So don't misunderstand that. Does that make some of you feel better? <laughs> watch, watch this, though. Watch this because it's funny, but it's also true. The problem with the Jewish magicians were they were into methods. Humans like methods. If, if they see something works, then they try to duplicate it by doing the same thing or saying the same thing. What I love about God is he's always into breaking down our methods, right? The church is funny because they believe, oh, you got to slap somebody on the forehead, and if they don't fall out, they didn't get the Holy Ghost. That's a lie, right? It's just a method, and you're trying to make something out of the method. Jesus don't want you to fall in love with the method. He wants you to fall in love with him. Amen? But we like methods, don't we? So check yourself when it comes to methods. <laughs> All right, so I'm just going to assume and continue that everybody wants a relationship like this with God. All right, I'm just going to say, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I don't want to make you lie in church. We're just going to assume that you want this kind of a relationship. So how do we power up? Three things. Number one, if we get to but don't, we get not what we want. Chew on that for a minute. If we get to, but don't, we get not what we want. I want to be slim. I want to be in a 36 waist jeans. Y'all sorry. I'm just saying, y'all sorry. I'm in a 38. They tight as all heck, but I'm in a 38, somebody, and I didn't need no assistance to get in there. No Crisco, nobody. Anyway. I want to be, I'm not even talking to y'all anymore. <laughs> Where's your faith? <laughs> I'm going to that other church. They believe in me. That's hilarious. I lost my spot. I want to be in a 36-waisted jeans, and I can get there, whether you believe me or not. I can get there. I can get there, and I can have that, but if I don't, I don't get what I want. I can lose as much weight as I want to. Come on, that's the reality. The only thing I can't do is grow hair back. But I get to, I get to. Okay, am I going too far with this? Is the horse dead? Okay, I get to, but if I don't, then I never get what I want. A lot of us want things, and we get to do them, but if we don't do them, we never get what we want. And so it's the stupid cycle that we get stuck on. All right, let me explain it. First John chapter 5. Come on, stay with me. First John chapter 5, go to verse 20. When I, when I got this revelation uh, probably 10 years ago, it totally changed my mind, totally changed my life. 1 John 5, 20 and 21. Here we go. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. 
And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son. You can easily substitute fellowship with relationship. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. Dear children, keep away from anything, say anything, that might take God's place in your hearts. So watch this. That word no comes up again. Look at what he says. And we know that the Son of God has come. So that means Jesus has come, right? He came the first time. He's coming back again. We all believe that. And he has given us, what did he give us? Understanding. So when you're born again, you gain understanding. Ah, you got to get this today. When you're born again, you go from spiritual death where you're dumb as a brick. (laughs) Can I say it with a smile on my face? You're dumb as a brick, but then when Jesus saves you, all of a sudden you become alive, and now you're genius. You've been given understanding. Watch this. Understanding so that you can know. You want to know the Greek word for that word, no? Gnosko. Gnosko. Gnosko also means to have intimate experiential knowledge of. It's the kind of knowledge that comes from experiences with. Do you remember that that's the same way that the evil spirit knows Jesus? Gnosko? You remember when I said I pray the demons don't know Jesus better than we do? They don't have to. You've been invited into. You've been given understanding to know Jesus definitely, completely. You get to. You get to. You get to know Jesus completely. If we get to but we don't, we never get what we want. I don't know why you started this relationship with Jesus. But it was never intended to stalemate. I said last week, there's, there's, when I read the scriptures and my relationship with Jesus, I've come to the conclusion that there's an, there's an ever-increasing expectation on me. Ever-increasing. In other words, he expects me to ever-increase. I get to, but I don't have to. I also get to live defeated most of my life. I also get to live oppressed if I want to. I also get to live underneath all the things that the world would throw at me if I want to. But I get to know Jesus completely with definiteness. When God delivered me from porn and alcohol and drugs and all those different things, you know what he did? 
He changed my want to. <laughs> I didn't want to anymore. I know people addicted been to 12 rehabs. And they come out and they get addicted again. Why? The chemical addiction was broken off of them. After so many days, I think it's 35 days, and the chemical addiction is broken. You don't have to go back. They want to. Jesus changed my want to. I was smoking dope, and I loved every bit of it, and I, got, I, I knew I needed to quit. I was hiding it. I was, I was doing all these other things, and I said, Lord, I, I, I can't quit this on my own. Like, you're going to have to change something. Like, I, I just, can you just make me not want it anymore? You know what he did? He changed my want to. I got sick of it. I got tired of being cloudy-minded. I got tired of being dumb as a brick. <laughs> it's like, what'd you say? <laughs> yeah, man. Didn't know what they said. He changed my want to. It's been given to you. All you have to do is receive it. You see, the funny thing about Paul, we see Paul walking in this authority. It's an ever-increasing authority. We see Paul walking in this authority, authority so much that unusual miracles start to happen. Like his handkerchief. No different than the handkerchief I have. He wiped his face with it. People took his handkerchief and went to people who were sick and laid it on him, and boom, they recovered. Is that unusual? That's unusual. They would lay his handkerchief on people who were demon-possessed or oppressed, and boom, the demon would leave. Paul had that kind of authority. Paul had that kind of anointing. It was ever-increasing. But let, let me tell you something else about Paul. Paul never walked with Jesus hand in hand. Because some of you have believed the lie, well, I'm not a disciple. I wasn't there when Jesus was, so I can't be what the disciples are. Bull. Bull. That's a lie from the pit of hell. It's an absolute lie. You don't have to believe it. Paul never, 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 never walked with Jesus hand in hand. He knew Jesus just like we do. He knows Jesus completely. Paul had intimate experiences with Jesus. And the same is true for us today. So number one, if, you, if we get to but we don't, we get not what we want. Number two, laying down my life allows me to take up his. It's kind of hard to take up his life if you're busy hanging on to yours. Look at your neighbor and say, your hands are full. <laughs> That's where... Probably the phrase, you're full of yourself, came from. <laughs> I don't know where the other full of came from, but that's probably where that one came from. So laying down my life allows me to take up his. You see, you can't hang on to your life and grab a hold of his at the same time. You're going to have to let go of one. Let me let the scriptures preach to you for a minute. James chapter 4, starting in verse 4 to 10. Listen carefully. James speaking to believers. He says, you adulterers. A little harsh, James. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him alone. 
And he gives grace generously, as the scriptures say. God opposes the, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse 7, so humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Watch this. Here it is. And he will lift you up. It's better when he lifts you up than when you lift yourself up. You see it? Romans 12, 1 and 2, one of my life, life, two of my life verses. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead. This is Paul pleading. The same guy that's walking in the authority we're talking about is pleading with other believers to give their bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a holy and living, a living and holy sacrifice. Watch this. Key, so key. The kind he will find acceptable. Watch what Christians are doing today. We give him our bodies, we give him our lives how we think it's acceptable. Not how he finds it acceptable. So we'll go, Lord, you can have this much. Enjoy it. If you want a little bit more and it doesn't get too rough, I'll give you a little bit more. I'm going to lay down my life this much. I better get some credit for this. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Watch this. By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You know what's so cool about Paul? Is Paul valued Christ more than he valued anything else. He valued Christ more than he valued his own life. I believe when a man gets here, he lives undefeated because Christ is his gain no matter what. You might want to write this down. The most, the most dangerous man on the planet is the one who has nothing to lose. Let me see if I can unpack this real quick. The things that disrupt your life so bad, think about those for a minute. What disrupts your life so, so bad? What is, it, what is the one? Is it, is it a relationship? Is it a, uh, an opinion that people have over you? Is it, is it a status? What is it that if you don't get it, it just like wrecks you? What's that thing? I want you just to name it in your own thoughts right now. Name that thing. Whatever that thing is, because it wrecks you, you want to know why it wrecks you? Because you value it more than you value Christ. 
if it would take its devalued place in your life and Christ would take his valued place in your life, people can poke, prod, take, steal. It don't matter because Christ is my gain and this is not. So whatever's disappointing you has too much value in your life. So if they don't like your post and they don't comment on this and they don't like your picture that you doctored up, if they don't like all that, you get distraught and you get discouraged and and insecure. You value too many people's opinion higher than what God thinks about you. Does that make sense? The most dangerous man on the planet is the one that has nothing to lose. Take it. Take it. Persecute me. Throw me in jail. Take my life. That's a promotion. I'm getting the heck out of here. <laughs> right? Is that too far? Is that too far to understand? Is that too far to even think realistic? Is that too far thinking that we go, ah, I can't even get there? Is that too much? That Christ would be the most valuable thing in your life? That everything else would take a lower position? And it can get poked at and prodded at? And you're like, so what? That's earthly. That's worldly. That's materials. I ain't bringing them with me when I go. Number three. Let's review. Number one, if we don't get, if we get but we don't, we get not what we want. Number two, laying down my life allows me to pick up his. What are you hanging on to that you need to let go of? (laughs) Number three, practice will make you bold before it makes you perfect. We can stay right there in, in Acts chapter 19 and I can prove it to you with Paul. Paul runs into, around verse 6, Paul runs into the believers who have not even known that there is a Holy Spirit. By verse 8 or 9, and then they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they they prophesy and speak in other languages. Verse 9 or 10, somewhere in there, he goes into the synagogue and preaches with a boldness that lasts for three months. And then a couple more verses later, around verse 11 or 12, you see what happens there. There's an ever-increasing thing. Do you know that practice will make you bold before it makes you perfect? Do you know what you need to walk out of here with today? Some boldness. Boldness. Just some straight-up, cold boldness. Just like, I don't care what people think about me no more. Some of you need to divorce that. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Practice will make you bold before it makes you perfect. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. Jesus sent out some of his disciples. In fact, this is the second time he's done this. He sent out 72 of them this time, and he gave them authority to go into these cities and do certain things. And this is when they come back. And I want you to pick up something here. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 to 20. It says, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And Jesus goes, yep. Yep. I saw Satan fall from from heaven like lightning. 
I was there when the boy got kicked out. <laughs> Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Can you say all? And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Verse 20. Here it is. Watch this. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Whoa, did you pick up Jesus' attitude about demons? Did you pick up his attitude about the demonic and about evil spirits? He's like, yeah, that's fine. Just keep on rolling. I was there when the boy got killed. I was there when Satan got kicked out. I saw him fall to heaven, I mean, fall from heaven like lightning, like he's just a chump. You're giving him too much credit. Just walk in the authority that I've given you, but rejoice, not because they listen to you. Rejoice because your name's registered in heaven. So Jesus is like, yeah, you're going to have spiritual warfare. Okay. I mean, he was like, yes, I'm glad you had fun casting out demons, but let's move past that. Don't give it too much credit. Just walk in there. It's so simple. Jesus, Jesus approaches this so nonchalantly. Like, yeah. Like, you're surprised by that? It's almost like Jesus really expected it to happen. <laughs> I'm just saying, he was like, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'll listen to you. Yeah, I've given you authority. It's real authority over real spirits. It's real authority over real demonic activity. It's real authority. Just walk in it. Or not if you don't want to. Let me have the worship team come up. Practice will make you bold before it makes you perfect. The only way to know the authority that you've been given is to step out in it. And I hope today that I've helped you realize my authority comes through the vessel of relationship. It comes through the vessel of relationship. You have no authority because you know about Jesus. You have authority because you know Jesus. Honestly, that's what salvation is. It's knowing Jesus. It's not saying a prayer or a chant. It's actually going, coming into a relationship with Jesus where you get to know him. Now, at first, you don't know him very well, but you're expected to get to know him quickly. In fact, you can know him as quickly and thoroughly as you want. Some question for you. Paul's faith and actions led to a revival in Ephesus. What can yours do in Eunice? I'll even back it up a little bit. What can yours do in your own household? You don't have to live oppressed. You don't have to stay under attack.
Jesus more? Go at him. Read your Bible. Plant this thing. Bury your head in it. Just like, I'm staying in my Bible. I'm staying in the Word. Like, I'm not coming out. That's one way. Open your heart and open your eyes and see Jesus move all day long as you work and, and do all the things that you do. Open your eyes. Ask yourself the question at the end of the day, where did I see Jesus today? Don't just sit around hoping that something's going to magically happen. Relationships are pursued. Come on. And we don't naturally fall into relationship. We usually fall out of relationships. Right? You have as much as you want. Watch what James said. before God. Resist the devil he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. This is, this is what I know about Jesus. He's always ready to have a conversation. He's always ready to sit down and talk. He's always ready. He's always watching and he's always engaged. If you don't believe that you're believing the lies of the enemy and you haven't read your Bible He's always ready. Any moment of the day, any time, any hour, no matter what you're going through, Jesus is always ready. And Jesus is standing at the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come out! Cole, come out! He's using the next example. Dwight, come out! And you can rise up and walk out. Some of you have gotten too familiar with oppression. Some of you have gotten too familiar with being beat down. Some of you think this is what Christianity is supposed to live, be like. This is what it's supposed to, this is how it's supposed to go. I'm supposed to live oppressed and always under attack. And sometimes you even take pride in that. You don't have to. I'm not sitting here today to tell you you don't have to. You get to know him, Gnosko, with definiteness and with completeness. It's for you, though. I can't do it for you, and you can't know him through me. You gotta know him for yourself. Because he made you, he loves you, 
He likes the way he made you, and he wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. Amen? Father, thank you for today. Lord, thank you for your word. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It's brought down strongholds today. It's exposed and broken the lies of the enemy today. Satan, you have no more grip on us. Loose, we loose you in the name of Jesus right now. We command you in the name of Jesus. Not whom Paul preaches, but the one that I know. The Jesus I know. I command you in the name of Jesus to loose yourself from this church. To loose yourself from these people. Quit lying to God's people. The Lord would say to all of us today, come out. Come out. If it's bothering you, deal with it. If it's nagging you, deal with it. Turn around and exercise your authority. Lord, we thank you. Your authority works every time. upside down, Lord. We want you more than we want anything.